Hi friends, and welcome to Robcast 42. This is the fifth part of a five-part series on forgiveness. The series is called The Forgiving Flow, and this part five is called Power, Presence, Control, and Surprises. You all have been sending in questions about forgiveness, and so I've been reading through them, and what's really fascinating is to see how many of you are asking uh Question, some of the same exact questions. And so what I want to do is um, respond to a number of those questions. I've sort of tried to group them into a number of categories. And uh, once again, you can keep sending in questions. Maybe we'll just in the future do another forgiveness series or do another um, podcast where I sort of follow up on some of these themes because really entering into the forgiving flow is something you're always entering into because we live in the real world, right? We get hurt all the time. And so forgiveness is like this muscle that you keep exercising. So a couple questions. Uh, Does forgiveness include restoring trust? No. Forgiveness and the restoration of trust are two different things. And here's why. Somebody hurts you and they break trust with you. You set out on a path to forgive them no matter what they choose to do. They may earn your trust back. They may not. They may become the kind of person again who you can trust a year from now or 10 years from now. We don't know. What we do know is that you are carrying around a wound, and if you don't forgive them, you are robbing yourself of joy. If your forgiveness is contingent or dependent upon what somebody else does or doesn't do, then you may never get around to forgiving them. Now, we'll get to the relationship between forgiveness and time and uh, control in a minute, but let's just go next. Does forgiving mean reconciling? In the best of times and the best of relationships, yes, just like trust. In the best of relationships, somebody did something, you feel like they broke trust, but then you got you patch it up, things are good, you you realize that there was just a misunderstanding, you trust them, away you go. Same with reconciling. In the best of relationships, you hurt them, they hurt you, you make amends, I'm sorry, you apologize, you accept, you're good, and away you go, and you speak no more of it. But reconciliation takes two. And sometimes you can forgive somebody and never see them again. Sometimes the relationship is so broken that you will love them from a distance, but they're not going to be in your life. That happens all the time. So when we talk about forgiveness, that's something different than restoring trust. That may or may not happen. We don't know. That may or may not be reconciliation. We don't know. When we talk about forgiving, we're talking about setting someone free and then finding out that it's you. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. In the, in the parable that Jesus tells about the forgiving father, what's really interesting is that the son uh, crushes his father, breaks his heart, leaves, wanders away, and while he's miles from home in misery, he realizes even my dad's servants are better off than I am, and so he heads home broken, and repentant, uh, heading home to make amends and do whatever he can 
to reconcile with the Father. And so there's a speech, Father, I'm unworthy even to be called your servant. There's the speech, it's the speech of a broken man. It's the speech of a man who's been humbled. It's the speech of a son who will do anything to be reconciled to his father. So there's a terrible rift in the story, but then what you see is this broken heart and you see at least the seeds of reconciliation. The father welcomes him home. In the story, forgiveness is not contingent upon some goodness on the part of the other person. If you are waiting to forgive somebody till they do something, then essentially the forgiveness is suspended and you're missing out on the joy of being free. Now, there's a number of distinctions we need to make. So let's go to another question because this question gets at the heart of it. Somebody sent in a question that said, my heart is colder than the whole country of Russia. <laughs> Whoa. Talk about a way to begin a question. The person wrote me and said, my heart is colder than the whole country of Russia, not towards everyone, just towards certain people who don't seem to get it. Okay, here's the thing. Whatever you mean by people who don't seem to get it, and I imagine we can all have people who that's phrasing we would use, even if we couldn't quite articulate, they just don't seem to get it. Whatever you mean by these people who don't get it, if you forgiving someone is based on them getting it, they may never get it. Are, are we tracking here? Are you with me? Are we really clear here? If for you to forgive someone, to set them free in your heart, to not allow them to rent free space in your head, to stop drinking the rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die, if you forgiving someone is based on them getting it, whatever you mean by that, they may never get it. They may never get it according to your standards. They may never get it in your time frame. Forgiveness has nothing to do with merit or grades or performance or goodness or rightness or kindness. And here's why. If you are waiting for someone to do something so that you can then forgive them, you are allowing their actions to control your joy. If you are waiting for someone to do something so that you can forgive them, you are allowing their actions to control your joy. See, forgiveness is about being free from other people robbing you of your joy. If your joy is contingent on someone else doing something else, it may never come. There is no reason why you cannot have joy right here, right now. Now, obviously, we get sad, depressed, conflicted, confused, overwhelmed, wounded, hurt. These are all very real experiences we have of life, but joy is like a base note. Joy is your awareness that your life is a gift and you get to live it. So the stream flowing within the flow of forgiveness, the deeper current is the one that refuses to allow others to control and decide our joy. So every time the impulse within you rises, to say, yeah, but they can't be trusted. Yeah, but they broke my heart again. Yeah, but they, whenever you find yourself 
not forgiving because of something they did, this person is controlling and owning your joy. And part of forgiveness is setting someone free and finding out that it's you. Forgiveness is about power. It's about not giving people undue power over you. And when somebody somewhere back there hurt you and you're still carrying it around, you are giving them inordinate power over you. And you have enough to do in the world, right? We all have, we have, we have energy, we have time, we have passionate hearts that want to make the world a better place. We have enough to do. We need you exercising the power that you have to help those who need it, to giving your true self best gift to the world. And when you are giving others undue power over your joy and peace and fulfillment and satisfaction, it is the squandering of your power. And we need you to have all your power and to give it to your true work in the world. Another question. This question said, the hurt that came from somebody, uh, it's still very much in me. It's detached from them, but it's still there. I can't shake it. It's destroying current relationships. I'm terrified, this person writes, I'm terrified of being hurt again. I cannot open up and be my true self. And then the person asks, is this the problem with forgiveness? Yes, it is. If you're telling me that you can't shake it and it's destroying current relationships and you're terrified of being hurt again and you can't no, cannot open up and be your true self because of what they did to you, yes, 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 this is a problem of forgiveness. Now, a couple things. First, let's talk about yourself. You acted. You opened up, from what you've told me about this, whatever this relationship was, you opened up, you let them in, you allowed yourself to be vulnerable, you took a risk, and you got hurt. And so something within you says, don't do that again. But here's the thing, love is risky. So is creation. Love is risky. And so is creation. Anytime you love, anytime you create something, Anytime you give yourself to another, you are running a great risk. And so what happened is you acted in and did what was the best thing at the time, according to your awareness, and it didn't go that well. And so first, before we get to that person, you got to forgive yourself. You got to forgive yourself. And then you forgive yourself Probably you're beating yourself up for why did I do that? Why did I let them in? Love is always risky. It's the way the universe is. There's no other way to engage in the flow but to leap and take a risk. That's just how it works. Now, second, the past describes what happened. It does not decide what will happen. And often what happens is we get burned somewhere back there. And so the past gathers this extraordinary head of steam and gains all this power. Just like a specific person can have undue power over us, the past can have undue power over us. So you have to speak to the past and remind it, you, Mr. P Mrs. Past, <laughs> however that works, 
You describe what happened. That's what happened. But you do not decide what will happen. This is why rebirth, disruption, being born again, again, again. This is why these metaphors, these images, these phrases are used by people and have been used by people for thousands of years because sometimes we need a rebirth. Sometimes we need a burst of new creation. Sometimes we need something new to happen because we have to leave the past where it was. Now, uh, one person wrote in about resentment and simply said, can you get over something? Yes, 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 you can get over something. You have to send it away. You have to surrender the right to revenge. Sometimes in your heart, there is a cost. There's a reason why Jesus talked about how narrow is the way. And, and maybe for you in listening to this series, you've realized, wait, if I'm gonna forgive that person, I don't know how to do that right now. Exactly, exactly. And so what happens is you set your intention. I want to become the kind of person who can actually forgive so-and-so for what they did. And maybe for you, just talking about forgiveness and realizing you don't even know where to start, you start with an intention. I want to become, I want to have the largeness of heart. I want to have the bigness of spirit that I could actually extend to this person what I desperately want to be extended to me. And so sometimes if you have resentment or if you can't get over something, let your frustration become your intention. Does that make sense? Let your frustration become your intention. So when you find yourself deep with resentment, like deep in those grooves where resentment has got you, rephrase it. All right, turn it into a prayer, into a mantra. All right, here we go. From here on out, I set my intention to become the kind of person who is free from resentment. Narrow is the way. The reason narrow is the way is very few people decide that they are gonna learn how to do these kinds of things. It's much easier to keep it in circulation. It's much easier to swing the jawbone. Are you with me? It's much easier to just spread gossip about them. It's much easier to sharpen your knife and stick it in their back, right? It's much easier to keep the violence in circulation than become the kind of third way non-violent person who actually helps take violence out of circulation because you have in some way participated in the forgiving flow. And what we have is we have a culture of small people, petty people who pass things back and forth. They just keep it all in circulation. But what you are invited to, what the gospel, the good news announcement of love and peace and grace to everyone is, is the announcement, it is the insistence that you can become a new kind of person. You can enter into a new mode of being in which you are in the forgiveness flow and you receive this love and grace, you forgive yourself because you see yourself in a much larger context and story, and then what you have received, you gladly pass on to others. You may never trust them again. <laughs> you may never speak to them again. You may have unbelievably firm and rigid boundaries. You may never be able to reconcile fully with them. Things may never go back to how they are, but in or how they were, but in your heart, you have set them free. 
One person wrote about resentment and that said, I think I'm over it, and then it bubbles up later. Here's the thing. When you have a wound, if you don't clean it out and there are still debris, bacteria, particles in there, and that thing starts to scab up, you will have a problem. It won't actually be able to scab up. So part of the thing about a wound is the first thing you do with a wound is you have to clean it out. And you know that feeling when you got like a flap of skin and you got like a garden hose and you're like trying to get all those little pieces of dirt out and it's so unbelievably painful. But the reason why you do that, the reason why you're in the shower there and you you kind of pull that cut open to get the water down in there, the reason you do that is because you know if you don't clean it out, it's gonna fester in there, it's gonna be in there for a while. But the thing about it is it's really painful. It'd be much easier just to put a Band-Aid on it and move on. But the reason why you know to thoroughly clean out a wound is because if you don't thoroughly clean it out, and if you don't go through the pain up front of cleaning it out, then you will simply prolong the pain. So when I was talking about a couple uh, parts ago, having to drag it all up, to name it and describe it, One of the reasons why resentment bubbles up later is because at the time we didn't thoroughly go into the heart of it and name it. And if you have nothing but profanities for this person, write them out. If you want to see them die, if you want to see them tortured, if you want to see, write out everything that's in your heart towards them. Whatever rated it is, whatever language you need to use, whatever violence, whatever is inside of you, get it out. Otherwise, it's just down in there somewhere. If you're like, I wish they would never been born, write that out. Get it out. Be honest. Forgiveness begins with you being honest. And when you live, perhaps you live in a culture of politeness where people just say whatever the party line is and people just stick to the scripts and everybody's real polite, but then under the surface, everybody's miserable and says these horrible things. Maybe you're in some sort of system that's everybody just smiles and would you like some coffee? It's just this very polite sort of, we never actually talk about what we're really thinking about. And then what happens is we go, oh yeah, it hurt a little bit what they said, but it's not a big deal. But then if you're still feeling resentment and you're saying that it bubbles up later, then it was a big deal. And maybe for you, you're like, but I shouldn't, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. I should be bigger than this. Well, it is a big deal. So just call it what it is. Stop making judgments about how you are responding to what they did to you. If it feels like it's the end of the world, then be honest about it. Stand at a distance from your feelings and thoughts and just observe them, but be honest about them. Now, another question that came in is what if the offender is a part of your life? Blended families, extended families, what uh, relations. The question said, what if I have no choice? And what if the offenses continue on a regular basis? Great question. One question came in uh, similarly. What if this person is in your spouse's family and they also married into this family and now they've dragged the in-laws into it and the sister-in-law is hurting me and it's impacting the entire family and it's making me feel like the black sheep? Okay, first off, uh, Institutions, teams, workplaces, families uh, are systems. And systems tend to have a way they operate. This is basic like systems series 101. And generally people have a role in the system. And unhealthy systems are always looking for a scapegoat. They're always looking for a black sheep. So we need 
to take all of our pain and wounds and put them on somebody so that we don't actually have to deal with them. And you see this in politics right now. You see this like, okay, who's the be- who are we going to put it on? Is it going to be immigrants? Is it going to be Iran? Who are we going to say now they're the problem? Because as long as we're doing that, then we don't have to own up to any of our own responsibility. So you are in this question playing some role in the system, namely the black sheep, and health comes when you refuse to play that role. So you have boundaries, you may have to have stronger boundaries. There may have to be lots and lots and lots of things that you simply can't participate in because it's completely insane. But now let me say a few practical things for every one of you who these are blood, these are coworkers, and like you can't just jump ship tomorrow. So you're going to see these people. Okay, first off, stop being surprised. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop being surprised. When they, when they just are complete asses, you knew they were going to say what they said at the party, right? When you showed up in your new car, you knew they would make a sarcastic comment, right? When there was the birthday party and you all showed up a couple minutes late, you knew they were going to say what they said, right? So let's just do this. Let's all agree to stop being surprised when people act like they've always acted. Sometimes we're so shocked. Can you believe what she said? Yes, I can, because she said that a hundred times in a row. Number two, uh, you don't owe them anything. Guilt trips, innuendo, uh, insinuations, Oftentimes, we are deeply bitter because somehow we've bought into this idea that we owe them something that we can't give them. If there's something that you feel like you owe them but you can't give them, then just be honest about it. I can't do that. Uh, Third, laugh. Honestly, uh, especially as a pastor over the years, knowing uh, when you're a pastor, you sort of know a, a, a crazy amount of people because churches tend to be like a number of, like they're bigger than a family, they're bigger than most offices, it's just a lot of people. You end up knowing a lot of people, and some people are annoying, and some people are mean and nasty. Um, laugh. If they say something, <laughs> if they say something ridiculous or incredibly hurtful, if you can train yourself to laugh at it, I'm telling you, I'm telling. maybe this isn't for you, but a good laugh, my word. Sometimes you're just laughing at, oh my God, I cannot believe they just said that. Uh, Fourthly, practice nonviolence. You see, there's, there is revenge, which is just doing to them what they did to you. You don't want that. But then sometimes what happens, especially in a question like this, where the person says, I married into this family and my sister-in-law is so nasty and she just never stops picking on me. Uh, nonviolence isn't being nasty back and it isn't passivity which says you have no other options. To practice nonviolence is to do something. It just isn't violence, and it doesn't keep things in circulation. So one thing that's worked really well, when I've had people who made me miserable agree with them, agree with them, but take it way farther. If they say to you, wow, late again, just say to them, I'm always late everywhere. I was late to my own birth. I will be late to my own funeral. Just take it way farther. Have some fun with this. When they accuse you of doing something bad, just say to them, you're right, you're right. By the way, have I told you about the bodies I buried in the backyard? Own it, repeat it. If they accuse you of something and there's any grain of truth in it, just own it. Everything you need to know about awkward relationships 
you can find in the last scene of the movie Eight Mile. And we all know what I'm talking about, right? Where Eminem takes all the stuff that could be said about himself and he says it himself. Nothing diffuses a situation faster than when you own everything you can properly own and the rest of it, you laugh, you take it farther, you <laughs> go to weird extremes. Have I told you about the bodies that I buried in the backyard? Just be the weird ant. If you're gonna have to be the ant and be there, be the loopy ant. Are you with me now? Some of the times what happens with us is we get so caught up in the seriousness of it that we, that we lose the lightness of it. There is a lightness on the other side of heaviness. There's a Robcast about that, correct? I was just thinking, that sounds familiar. There is a lightness on the other side of heaviness, which leads to another thing that has helped me huge. One prayer about the people in your life who drive you the most crazy, one prayer is simply, help me see them. Help me see them. Help me see them within a larger story. Help me see them in a bigger light. Here's what I mean. Let's say someone breaks into your house and steals some stuff, and you're mad. And the police come, and then they apprehend the suspects who are guilty, who have your stuff. And they ask you, uh, are you going to press charges? And the police say, by the way, let me just tell you a little bit about uh, this young man. And the police proceed to tell you this story about a young man who's never known his father, uh, about his how his uncle held a cigarette to his arm and burned his arm, how uh, his mother put a lock on the refrigerator, and he often went days growing up without food. Oftentimes there weren't enough diapers, so he had to wear the same diaper for days and days on end, which gave him horrible rashes. Uh, maybe he lived with, was passed around among grandparents, but all of them were drug addicts. I mean, imagine if you get one of those kinds of stories, which we all have heard from time to time. The more and more and more they tell you about this young man's upbringing, are you more and more angry? Well, I'm telling you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make him pay for what he did. I'm gonna show him some misery. Or are you more and more, oh, my heart is breaking for what this young man has been through. I cannot imagine if that would have been what my like. Now, you may still press charges. This person still may go to jail. They may serve time. Who knows? Separate issue. Once again, forgiveness and consequences are two separate issues. But what's really interesting, have you ever noticed how you're upset with someone and then somebody says to you, oh, you know that her mom died four days ago. And all of a sudden you're like, you feel so bad. Anybody ever had that? You feel so bad. You realize why that family seems like they're falling apart. You realize they just found out that the dad has cancer. And something within you goes, oh my word, I feel so terrible. Why? Because you were able to see them in a bigger light and suddenly you go from condemning their actions to extraordinary compassion. So, uh, as we all know, hurt people hurt people. And one of, and this, by the way, this is, seriously, talk about narrow as the way. This takes extraordinary discipline and intention. But if you decide, pick the person who is most agonizing for you, most annoying, the person you have the most resentment for. Set out with this prayer, God, help me see them in a bigger light. Help me see their story. 
where they come from, what's happened to them. Somebody, some people literally have awful marriages. Just that simple. Their home is a tense, angry, volatile place. They do not go back at the end of a difficult day to a place of great refuge and safety and peace. They leave work and go home to war. They go home to nerves on edge. They, they go home to a cold, dark place. Sometimes just know, oh, can you imagine what that would be like? Just giving yourself one new filter through which to see them. Now, it doesn't mean that you're condoning the things they do that are nasty. It doesn't mean that you approve. It doesn't mean that you have to trust them. It doesn't mean yet, right? Forgiveness is simply, sometimes what we simply need with somebody is just a tad bit more context and story just to see them in a slightly bigger light. By the way, the early church fathers, first, what, three, four hundred years of church history, they had this great idea, this great sort of theological truth about this that you know that feeling when you get a little more detail on someone's story and explains why they were acting the way they act and suddenly you have more compassion for them. They then say, well, if there would was an all-knowing being, to know all would be to forgive all. If you could see every human being and what they've been through, the struggle they've been in, the abuse and insults that have come their way, well, if you knew all about all people, would you be able to forgive all? To know all would be to forgive all. So, so one of the things that can most rescue you from resentment and bitterness, especially when you're the black sheep, especially when you have this person in your life and there's nothing you can do about it, learn to laugh. If you need to play the weird role, play the weird role. You don't owe them anything. Stop being surprised. If they say something that's true about you, just own it. Nothing diffuses a situation more than you owning it. Or take it way farther. If they say you are always late, start showing up 20 minutes early. Have some fun with it. If they say, if they say you never communicate, start calling them every day. Just call them and tell them that you bought new draperies. Just wanted you to know. <laughs> Have some fun with this. Uh, but ultimately, what will make you a bigger person, what will create in you the capacity to participate in the forgiving flow is when you can ask, when you can pray, when you can develop a mantra, help me see them in a larger way. Some people would simply pray, God, help me see them as you see them. Help me see them as you see them. Because all I see is somebody who hurts me again and again and again and again. And then uh, one more question. One person wrote this great, great question. She just said, I couldn't think of anyone who had betrayed me, but I have so many things I haven't forgiven myself for. So maybe when you think of forgiveness, you don't have one person in mind other than yourself. Yep. Yep, I know about that. And so you choose to forgive yourself. Why would you rob yourself of joy? So you're setting someone free and then you're finding out that it's been you the whole time. Forgiving yourself as a process takes a while. Forgiving yourself will involve a thousand little steps every day. And forgiving ourselves 
requires that we go deep into the heart of our beliefs. Do you believe that you can be made new? Do you believe that you can be washed, cleansed, clean? Do you believe the system can be rebooted? Do you believe you can experience a rebirth? Uh, this is why I keep talking about gospel. I keep talking about the heart of the Jesus message, is I believe whatever you've done, you can die and be reborn. You can, even that can be sent away. And it's not that you ignore it or deny it. It is simply absorbed within your larger story. It is integrated. It is recapitulated. It is retold as something that made you the kind of person. See, if you can forgive yourself and you can extend yourself grace, then when you're forgiving, you're merely extending to others what you've already extended to yourself. I'll leave you with a line from the great Sufi mystic Rumi. Uh, I read Rumi poetry each morning. Rumi says, It is a habit of yours to walk slowly. You hold a grudge for years. With such heaviness, how can you be modest? With such attachments, do you expect to arrive anywhere? Oh, it's so good. You hold a grudge for years. With such attachments, do you expect to arrive anywhere? I want you to go somewhere. I want you to be free. I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to feel like your steps are light on your journey. And my hope in these five parts is that if any one of these images or metaphors or concepts could help you turn somebody loose. If you're waiting for somebody to do something, you are giving somebody power and control over your joy, and we don't do that. If you are waiting for somebody to become a certain kind of person so you'll forgive them, that may not happen. Reconciliation may not happen. You may never trust them again, but you can forgive them and you can have love in your heart for them right now, regardless of the kind of person they decide to be. You own your path and you surrender them. Surrender them. Turn them loose. Turn them loose. What we're about is you walking your path with joy having forgiven the people who have wronged you, taking part in the forgiving flow free. May you, my brothers and sisters, be free. Grace and peace be with you.